Welcome to Dr. Jeffrey Ross, Looking Good and Feeling Great podcast, live from Las Vegas, with his co-host, Daryl Craig Harris. Hi folks, I'm Dr. Jeffrey Roth here, your board-certified plastic surgeon in Las Vegas, Nevada, and we are at it again. Who'd have thunk it? Yes, we are, and, and it's heating up in Las Vegas, too. It certainly <laughs> is. I think, you know, we usually get about two weeks of really nice springtime weather, and then it's hot. And uh, it, it's it's been back and forth a little bit. It's a bit bipolar, but now I think it's uh, this weekend. It's here to stay. The triple digits are are here to stay. Time to, time, time to bust out the sunscreen. You just happen to have a sunscreen. I just happen <laughs> to have a sunscreen, and it's really great sunscreen. So uh, hence, hence the name. Hence the name, really great sunscreen. Yeah, you can't say stuff like uh, the best or something, but you can say it's really great. So that's what we went with. So if you are in the market for a sunscreen, and you should be, um, it is. It's really great. We, it took us 17 years to figure it out. And it's a uh, shameless plug. It's a uh, sunscreen that is uh, mineral-based and not uh, chemical-based. And so it acts like a shield and it bounces the bad rays uh, away from you. And we have uh, facial and body. We have tinted and non-tinted. And uh, the gals at the uh, the pool, they love the tinted um, facial sunscreen uh, because they don't have to wear makeup. So they, they really dig that. And then I put it on my daughter and uh, as well. And even the folks that get <clears throat> laser resurfacing, they use it because it doesn't sting. So so everybody should wear sunscreen and they should reapply it, especially if you're in a sunny place like Las Vegas. Uh, so yeah, so do ring us up and we can we can make that happen for you. Yeah, we have available on our website, jjrothmd.com. So you actually just were at a very Awesome symposium up at UCSF, right? I was. So at UCSF, uh, the University of California, San Francisco, which is just a phenomenal place. Uh, 22 years ago, they, uh, well, more than that, a little more than that. 20 years ago, I graduated, I guess, the UCSF plastic surgery uh, program. They made a mistake and let me in. And, um, and, <laughs> That's the, not true. and the training was phenomenal, uh, just phenomenal. And, and it continues uh, to this day. And, I tell the residents that are there, I said, at some point, you're going to graduate the program. I know it sounds like forever. You're going to graduate the program and you're going to be in the operating room by yourself and probably it'll be in the middle of the night. And there's this moment that they call white tile syndrome. And what that is, is basically you get to a point in the operation and there may be a little bit of a wiggle on the road and it wasn't exactly like you planned because people can sometimes do that for you. And you're going to look behind you to see if anybody's there to help you out. And there ain't nobody there but white tile. Nobody to save you. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. so I told them, I said, look, I said, you're getting terrific training by all these really great guys and gals and professors there. So what I would do is I would say, okay, so what would Dr. Mathis do? What would Dr. Hoffman do? What would Dr. Eshma do? What would Dr. Uh, uh, Rosenfield do? And I'm like, okay, I'll do that. So I said, it's really easy. All you have to do is emulate the training that you had and then you'll be fine. And so, so, so UCSF plastic surgery, again, 20 plus years ago, I was there. Uh, and so every two years they have a symposium and the alumni get together and they have a big dinner for their graduating uh, residents that are going on to um, either private practice or academic practice or more fellowship, uh, et cetera. And it's really a wonderful thing. And as much as you see folks that you haven't seen for a long time, uh, which is really, really nice, you also get to see what's going on in the research lab, which is really terrific. And then uh, also people like to present their work and UCSF 
it can be everything from reconstructive and microsurgery and hand surgery and um, uh, gender reassignment surgery to uh, social uh, aspects of uh, surgery and community health, et cetera. So it's really, really interesting. And you sit there during some of these lectures and I myself am just am in awe of technology and the things that we can really do now. From a microsurgery standpoint, where you take tissue from one area of the body and you go to another area of the body with it, especially the microsurgery, which are free flaps where you actually take tissue based on an artery and uh, a vein and you plug it into another artery and vein at a recipient site to cover the soft tissue. It may be a, a big soft tissue injury from a trauma or from cancer, whatever the case may be, but you need soft tissue coverage. And so these folks are moving more and more muscle and tissue and soft tissue on smaller and smaller arteries and veins and really opening up the possibilities. The other things they do are nerve reanimation where they can go ahead and plug into dormant nerves with nerve grafts and make the nerves work again. It's just absolutely phenomenal uh, what these folks are, are doing. So so that was the microsurgery, general reconstruction uh, of it. Um, also, there was the breast portion, which was really interesting. Not only because people are really, really looking at this stuff. As you know, one in eight women are going to have breast cancer at some point during their lifetime, and then more may be diagnosed for biopsies, et cetera, et cetera. So the whole idea was, is okay, we've gone from, okay, let's go ahead and separate the patient from the disease and just make a big shark bite and take out all these nodes to, okay, how can we spare tissue? And so how can we leave skin? How can we leave the nipple intact? How can we uh, and then make it look nice afterwards? And right. so now they're talking down that road, which again, they're really pushing the boundaries that we have. And, and the technology has gotten better too. There's this stuff called acellular dermal matrix, which we can put between the pectoralis major muscle and then you put you know an implant there and then you put this ADM there and then you have the skin on top of it, which again, if you asked me this question 15 years ago, could you do that for breast reconstruction? That would be an automatic fail on the boards. No chance. But now the technology has gotten so good and the techniques also have gotten so good that you're able to go ahead and pull this off. Right. So, so that was uh, exciting. San Francisco being San Francisco, there was a thing on transgender surgery, and that was really pioneered at Stanford, which is our kind of cross-peninsula rival, although we, right, although, yeah. although we have a lot of conferences together, and, and, and they're very, very smart. Uh, and they do really good work down there as well. And uh, not only just the, you know, how do you change from one side to the other side, the criteria that you have to go through, whether it's the St. Louis criteria, et cetera, et cetera, then, okay, let's physically change sides. And how do you do that? operatively. So they went ahead and talked a bit about that. And then they also talked from an aesthetic standpoint of facial surgery, facial feminization, for example. And mm. uh, Dr. Doug Osterhout, uh, who was really a pioneer of uh, this in San Francisco for forever, uh, he recently retired. And so there was um, the chief uh, now Dr. William Hoffman, who really is a craniofacial, he's a, he's a plastic surgery expert, but really craniofacial. And so he's kind of stepped in and has done more and more of that stuff at 
at UCSF uh, as well, and, and basically the planning behind it and what makes a male versus a female from a facial standpoint. So it was really, really fascinating. Um, hmm. Yeah, I think, I mean, it's amazing. I mean, that the technology, of course, is always changing, I'm sure. And that's part of the reason why you guys do get together and to share information. What's the, how, do, how important do you think that really is in terms of just helping everybody and helping the practice move oh, it's, forward? It's absolutely critical. And that's why we go to meetings and, and we sit through lectures and then... Uh, Again, you and I have talked about this. My favorite part of most of the big national <clears throat> and international meetings is lunch. Uh, right. And the reason why is not the, the very nice box lunch that they give you. And usually there's a cookie involved, but it's a chicken sandwich. Um, so, and that's gotten a lot better over the years too, by the way. So, but technology, it's, it's the technology. Yeah. Right. Uh, they can make everything taste like chicken. Um, <laughs> But lunch, usually you have, uh, you know, a guy from uh, Vegas, me, uh, and then you have a guy from Rio, you may have a guy from Miami, you have a guy from New York, a guy from New York, you may have a guy from LA. And then we talk about the lectures that day. And one guy will say, oh, I think this is great. And the other guy says, no, it's terrible. I'll tell you why. Or I think that was great. Nope, it's not. And, you know, I used to be his fellow and I'll tell you that he doesn't do that anymore. Right. And, and so, so you, you cut through all of the stuff and you get down to what can really help your patient. And if you can take one, I've told the young guys and gals this, you can take one or two pearls away from a uh, lecture or a symposium or whatever, then absolutely completely worth the trip. And if you can apply it to your patients and your practice, yeah, absolutely. Right. And, and there's different, I mean, we talked about that before, but different regions have slightly different approaches to different sure. topics, right? Or, or guys from out of the country or just mm -hmm. a different way of uh, looking at things. The other thing to be that I've been seeing, which is refreshing. And especially at this particular conference, there's also the Indy conference, which Dr. Rosenfield runs, which is terrific, is the guys that get up there and are absolutely brutally honest, meaning you have your Dr. Val Lambros is, 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 is done that. He'll just, he'll call the BS out. And one uh, a guy uh, who was up there, uh, Ning Chang, who's, who's great, he really delved into his own case studies and uh, uh, showed uh, some fantastic results. And he showed you some results and made a left turn. And that's okay, because that's right. where you learn. That's and, and, right. And this is what I learned. And, you know, these are the things that I won't do again. And this is why 10 years later, I'm doing this operation differently, et cetera. And mm -hmm. so you, so guys like me in the audience don't have to have that learning curve and went, oh my gosh, this is a guy who's done you know, a bazillion of these, yeah, well, well respected. Right. And, and yeah. he says, he's still trying to figure it out. And right. uh, this is what, this is where I came from. This is my evolution. This is what I'm doing now. So that's worth its weight in gold, you mm -hmm. know? Um, and so that for me is important to really kind of sniff out is this guy, you know, just going ahead and being puffery and, and showing his great results versus is this a guy that's really, or gal that has really thought about and took a look at his own series. And that's brutal when you do that sometimes. Right. And, it's self-reflection. It's, it's, it's tough. Challenge, right? It's tough. Uh, and that's also what we have here in Las Vegas and around the world and all the teaching hospitals. They have a morbidity, what's called a morbidity mortality conference, which is, especially in general surgery, is, is you basically get up and tell about the, you know, the mess ups from last week. 
Right. And at a major teaching hospital, that can be, you know, a few of them, right? One mm-hmm. percent, but you do. But you it's, know, that's crucial. Yeah. But it's crucial. You, yeah. you don't, I mean, the old adage is you don't learn anything for a great case. Hey, I had this case. It went great. You know, who cares? But, oh, I had this case and this happened and this happened and this happened. And this is how I fixed it. So that's where you learn and right. you learn not only to fix it, but to, to recognize, oh, hey, I know the, the ending of this movie, you know, and let's not do this. Or even more important is to say, okay, that's something I'm not going to do in my practice or to prevent it, you know, or sniff it out even before you get to the operating room. Right. So, so that's, um, so that was interesting. So, so you had that, you had hand surgery, which was also really uh, sort of interesting as what they're, the technology with hand and hand rehabilitation and everything mm-hmm. else like that is just, is just is spectacular. Yeah. What do. That's, and it's also UCSF. Um, I mean, they have unique challenges because of being in San Francisco yep. and all that they do with there. The city has some challenges, as we as we probably have all heard, with the homeless population and different things. So what what is the unique thing that they really do with more than maybe some other hospitals? Sure. Well, again, it's I a, guess it's know, a several things. It's but. a yeah, a quaternary uh, referral center. So they get referred stuff from everywhere. Mm-hmm. And uh and while I was there, there's oftentimes people would have <clears throat> failed um, surgery elsewhere and they would come and, and, you know, we would try our best to figure it out and, and make it better, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And often we do. And just because they're surrounded by such really good, smart people. So even, you know, even if you have to call on your cardiology friend or your anesthesia friend or whatever, they're all really just so darn good up there and right. just it makes everything you know, work. Again, it's just, it's really kind of an interesting place. Now, the city itself is still very much a beautiful city and all that. And it's going through its challenges, especially as you mentioned with the homeless population, where we saw a uh, interaction with that, especially at San Francisco General. Actually, it's Zuckerberg's San Francisco General Hospital now. Oh, so, interesting. Uh, yeah. And so, he, he, thank goodness he gave a lot of money and that, that really has helped out a, a lot. And right. so, they should stick his name on there. That, that's legit, I think. But in any case, so at, at the General, we've been taking care of of in sick patients with no um, money, et cetera, forever. And so in that particular patient population, especially there, because in that district, there's lots of uh, drug abuse, et cetera, et cetera. And some of these folks have had this for a long, long time. And so there are certain um, things that you see there and you see in every city, in every metropolitan city, but it's concentrated there because that's kind of where they know to go. The IV drug abuse population, sometimes uh, they won't have clean needles anymore, but moreover, they run out of veins, right? So they've hit every vein. And so what they'll do is, is they'll just inject their uh, drug into the soft tissue. So what happens there sometimes is you'll get a soft tissue infection, which can sometimes lead to abscess, which then, you know, needs to get drained, et cetera, et cetera. So what they've done is, is they've continued to rethink, okay, how are we serving this population, et cetera, et cetera. Meaning it used to be a big deal and you'd have to get admitted and you have to wait a couple of days because there was never a room on the schedule. And then they went ahead and made this thing called Oasis Clinic where you would come in, you would make an appointment, you would come in, you would get addressed, and then you would you know be able to go home depending on the severity. And so that fit in better with the patient population because what they were discussing actually this last symposium is, is the patient population, that patient population, they wake up in the morning and basically the two goal, main two goals are, okay, how am I going to eat today? How am I going to get the drugs today? Because that's kind of where you are. Yeah, in the they're program. in that in that zone. In that, right. Yeah. So that's that's the thing. Now, so meaning that they're not going to you know run to the doctor fast because something really has to be big to push them out of that. Meaning this thing really on the arm really has to be big and red and pussed out and swollen for them to, to go and seek medical care. So, okay. So now you see 
seek medical care now, you go into the hospital and things get washed up and IV antibiotics and all that kind of stuff. So now you go to a place that's very structured that, you know, breakfast comes at seven, lunch comes at noon, dinner comes at six, et cetera, et cetera. And then you go from there to back on the street, which is very unstructured. Exactly. And right. so yeah. they did this whole series, it was really interesting, of interviews with all sorts of stakeholders, whether it's the doctors, the nurses that are taking care of them, the, uh, the the patients themselves, et cetera. And what are the barriers? And so one of them is, is kind of, okay, well, what's going on in the street? Meaning the doc and the nurse going on discharge will say, okay, we'll wash it three times a day. Well, if you don't have access to clean water, that right. may not happen. And so lots of these folks you know, are on this wheel of coming back to the ER because they couldn't take care of it for whatever reason and they got worse and blah, blah, blah. So there was a whole study of that, of kind of barriers to care and to try to have people not be on that wheel. Right. To kind of break them into a healthier situation. But, right. but it's so, there's so many challenges. With oh, that, so many as challenges. We know. The housing yeah. itself challenges. Right. There's the mental illness challenges, the drug addiction challenges. The, it's just yeah, a ton of it. And then how do you interact with the medical community in such a way that they understand what's going on? And then it behooves them to come back and get care. So, and so that was a whole study in of itself. The other interesting study, which was medical, uh, but not medical like in the OR, is uh, in uh, children with cranial synostosis. Okay, so cranial synostosis is where uh, you're born and the bones of your head are uh, oddly shaped or they don't line up correctly or the sutures, the areas between them, there's something wrong with them. So anyways, it's it's the kids that often have kind of misshapen head, it's, mm. et cetera, et cetera. Okay, and UCSF has always been spectacular uh, at that. It's something they really, really do. Now, as you can imagine, when you're younger, meaning, you know, the one, two, three months of age, things are much more pliable, et cetera. Right, because you're and still so, forming right, fully. Right? Exactly. So as you get older, things are less pliable and it's kind of a bigger deal, et cetera. So they went through, you know, the records and said, okay, who's showing up? Who's showing up late? Why are they not showing showing up, et cetera? And a lot of that is, is uh, ref, you know, didn't know that there was a craniofacial uh, a clinic. You know, who's actually referring? When are they first getting seen by a doctor? And then when are they first actually going to the craniofacial clinic? And they found obviously disparities between race and between um, socioeconomic and et cetera, sure, et cetera, right? right? As, as, as always. Yeah. And so they're trying to figure out, okay, how do we get those kids into the system sooner so that they can have a less operation and better outcomes? Right. Yeah. And so then again, they took a systems approach to medicine. And so they're putting those things into place to try to get the word out, trying to get these kids uh, in the medical system uh, faster so they can go to the OR if they need to go to the OR and, you know, have better outcomes with less uh, surgery. So, right. so that was also, I thought, fascinating uh, up there, which you see does well. And, and again, most of the major centers do that too, the public outreach, mm. public health, et cetera, et cetera. But, uh, How, but they've already pride the, themselves um, For doctors dealing with, because I mean, that's a pretty intense situation dealing with homeless, dealing with those, those, or, you know, socioeconomic issues as well as being in medicine. How does that affect doctors psychologically? Is that really challenging for, I would assume it would be for them because well, they kind of know they're doing their best, but they don't know what the outcome is going to be for the right. patient. Well, yeah, there's the, you know, there's the medicine part, you know, which is what you're trained for and, oh, there's an abscess, oh, we're taking the operating room, oh, we wash it out, we 
we'll put a wick in it and then put them on antibiotics, but then, okay, that's great. But there's a whole nother part to this that if you really want the patient to get better, you're going to have to deal with. And so uh, most people find is, is if you have a team approach, meaning you have social workers and you have nurses right. and you have folks like, you know, oh, okay, well, let's go ahead and get you set up. They have these hotels in, in uh, San Francisco for that sort of thing for almost, okay, let's go ahead and get you for, you know, a voucher for a week or whatever right, it is. Just to get them stable. Right. To, yeah. to, 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 is there a way, you know, to, to do that and actually talk to them and uh, figure out what else is going on in their universe, which may be an impediment. And then sometimes, you know, even as a doc, you get semi street smart, again, depending on where you trained and what they tell you. The other thing too is like anything else in medicine, listen, you know, listen to your right. patient. Okay. That's great doc, but mm, I don't have money to get the antibiotics. You know, um, you know, I have a bum leg. I can't walk, you know, more than a block at a time. How do I get to a Walgreens? Right. So I, there, there are all these little things that you, you know, you've done the medicine, you've made the right diagnosis, you've done the right procedure, you give them the right antibiotic, but guess what? They, their treatment doc may fail because they may not be able to be compliant with it. Not because they don't think it's the right it's thing. Their or circumstance it's or whatever. Just, yeah, what's, yeah. what's in their circumstance, what's going on in their That's got to um, be so universe. challenging as, as a medical professional. I mean, I guess so, even, even under normal right. circumstances, but so you, that. So you do stuff like, I mean, I remember this is, you know, more than 20 years ago. I remember this guy and I was there with my ending and who had been at the county for a long, long time. And he says, look. He says, look, I know, you know, you don't have stable housing. You, you know, this you know, guy, big um, uh, jaw fracture, et cetera. So you, you're supposed to uh, swish and spit three times a day. Okay, well, now how's this guy going to go get to right. the ceiling? Yeah. So my attending actually told him, says, look, he says, if I was you, I would go to McDonald's, Burger King, whatever like that, right? And uh, go get yourself, you know, uh, a cup of water and they're gonna, there's always some um, salt packs laying around. He's like, go get a couple of those, go get some water, go out to the curb. Okay. And put the salt in the water, swish, 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 and spit it in the gutter. It is what it is. And right. guess what? You know, if, if you, you have a little forward thinking about that guy's particular circumstance, he's more apt to actually kind of do the program right. as opposed to, okay, well, here's your prescription, sir. You know, I'll see it. Of course, ultimately, no matter the circumstance, you right. want the best for the patient. Right. And you talk to these guys and gals and, and you know, you feel for them and, you, and you know, you, hopefully you are empathetic when you are in medicine and you do try, you know, not only to get the diagnosis and procedure right, but actually fix the patient. That's why you're, you're trained to do. That's the whole goal, right. of course. So, yeah. So, and there's some places better, you know, you get more exposure to that, you know, mm -hmm. than, uh, than not. So yeah, at UC we're very we're very fortunate because you get you know the county and that patient population, and then you get you know UC, which is all sorts of people you know coming in there. It, it just right. it's that that part of it was really you know fun. What's your um I'm kind of slight changing topics a bit, but your thought on when you meet with patients and they're not completely truthful with you? Oh no, that that happens. <laughs> That's kind of a big subject, that, I know. But. That that happens all the time, and yeah. and I was just talking actually to to somebody about this. Is, is, you know, we, we, you know, we tell the patients like, okay, two guys you can't lie to, your surgeon and your priest. Okay. Everybody, you know, boyfriends, yeah, girlfriends, you know, whatever. Yeah, husband, <laughs> uh, but two guys you really, really, right. really got to tell the truth yeah. to because it's not going to go any further. Yeah. And, and, and it's important. We were just talking um, uh, about this and this was back in Philadelphia, the trauma days. And uh, so this guy came in, I forget exactly what the issue was, but um, we had to go ahead and operate on his arm. And, and of course you go through, have you taken any, any medicines, any drugs, blah, 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 everything else like that. 
No, no, no. Anyway, we took an x-ray and this guy actually had old broken IV needles in his arm. Ugh. Okay. Now that's okay, except for the fact that my attending, you know, you're going to open up the arm, you're going to look for, for stuff, and you're going to run your finger all the way through that. All right. right? And yeah. so he, he would have nailed his finger. So we said, hey, look, you really, really, really got to tell us. And he's like, nope. And I'm like, okay. And so then we put the x-ray up and we went, okay, what's this? Well, 20 years ago, Yikes. et cetera, et cetera. Like, that's okay. You know, you just as long us, as we know what's coming. You God, tell us, <laughs> right. you know what I mean? What's, what's really going on here? Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, that can make all the, you know, all the difference in, in the world. Because what you don't like, and you can ask my wife about this, is you hate surprises, right? Right. Yeah. In the OR, that's not a good thing. Especially <laughs> surprises, you know, oh, by the ways and, and surprises. Yeah. And uh, even to the point, and again, this is back at UCSF, uh, again, 20 plus years ago is you're in there and you're doing this uh, case and blah, blah, blah. And they're, they're bleeding, but they're not bleeding from like a vessel, right? They're kind of like this ooze that's kind of going on. Mm-hmm. Gosh, they're oozing from everywhere. And so now there's some medical things that can cause that. You're thinking, oh my gosh, or is his platelets all shot? Is mm-hmm. FDIC? Am I going to have to get uh, hematology involved and give him more medicine? So typically you can get it through and you get done with your surgery and then you wake them up and go, hey, you know, you were kind of oozing and stuff like that. Was there, did you take any medicines? Did you take any? And that's when I learned about herbal supplementation because again, oh, it's, right. more, it's Northern yeah. California. And so, oh yeah, I ate a bushel of St. John's wort yesterday. And you're like, oh, good Lord. So the other thing with UCSF, which was interesting is, is one third that then, one third of the town was Asian. And so many of them went to their uh, traditional uh, herbal medicine, herbal medicine them, yeah. physicians mm-hmm. down in Chinatown or the other towns. And and they've been doing that for thousands of years, right? And so some of those medicines, yes, absolutely have uh, an effect on the bleeding system or respiratory system or whatever the case may be, and may interact with Western medicine, um, whether it's a drugs or therapies or whatever. So so that's when I learned to like, okay, you got to take an herbal history. You got to take a, right. a, a, a vitamin history. And sometimes they may not want to actually fess up like, oh yeah, I'm taking this, but I know you may not agree with the, right. the so, no, and, that's, or, and, and you really, yeah. you got to just go, they say, you have to tell, you know, you, you really, at that point, it's a no judgment zone. You know right. what I mean? It's like, yep. okay, well, what do you got? Okay, let's handle it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Or and maybe you get them off of that for a month they, or two months. You know, figure that out. Whatever. Yeah, figure yeah. that out later, but. Oh yeah, no, and because people tell you, oh yeah, I'm done. You know, I quit smoking. You know, um, <laughs> well, six we've, months we've ago. We've had that topic, and you, and you walk times. in, and they, you know, they smell like a chimney. Right. And you're just like, oh good lord. Yeah, so, and, they, and they don't understand how that's going to affect yeah. surgery and, and sure. red blood and you know. all all of that sort of thing. So yeah, I mean, there, uh, we hope that you build trust between you and the patient. Sometimes it's very hard when you're in a big clinic uh, and you're seeing two, like the hand clinic, you see 200 hands a day. You know, up right. there, whatever the case may be. But you try and you, and you try to really get down to the person to person sort of level. I mean, you know, sure, I had a whole bunch of education and training and all that stuff. But, hey, there's there's places where I don't have a knowledge base and I have to trust the plumber. Right. right. I I don't know much about plumbing. And the university professors in that scenario, are they, are, is that a big topic for them? Like, hey, you've got to really talk with your patients and got to, yes. I would assume it would be. But. I, th- I think if you asked that question 40 years ago, probably less mm-hmm. so, you know, there right. was kind of a more patriarchal top down uh, such. But I think that we've learned, or at least I hope to over the years, that if you listen to the patient, the patient will tell you the diagnosis. And yeah. in the internal medicine, guys and gals will tell you that, that 80% of internal medicine is is the history. So if you do a good history and you figure it out, we usually tell you what it, it what it is. Right. And listening. Right. So, yeah. is so well, important. And then by you listening, they're more apt to one, tell you, yeah. you know, stuff and then listen to you when you say, okay, 
you really, really have to cut this out. And this is why, mm -hmm. you know, not just cut it out because I'm the white coat and I said so. Exactly. Well, yeah, that you can get away with that oh, just so much. That doesn't it, work as well today. But if you get, <laughs> no, <laughs> no, but if you get the why, like, okay, the reason why you can't smoke for a facelift breast lift or tummy tuck is it will fall apart. Right. You know? And you're spending all this money. Right. And, and for... you know, because it's on tension and tension's the enemy. What do you think it's a vasoconstrictor, et cetera? Then they start as, oh, okay. Well, if you give them the why, right. and we actually talked, actually, we talked about that at the last um, UCSF meeting. If you give the why, it actually will stick and make more, make more sense. Yeah. And I mean, I, I've been to some consultations with you um, and I would add something I've really enjoyed is that you really take your time. You ask a lot of questions. You're not in a hurry, as unfortunately many doctors today see so many patients. Right. So I'm, I'm not efficient. Uh, you, get, <laughs> well, you, get, you get the consulting, you're like, you know, you're really not efficient. Yeah, I know. So but, and, and yeah, the, the care of the patients, the, right. the bottom I, line. I keep telling myself that. So like a, like <laughs> a mom. Like, I keep telling my office like a, like a mantra. Yeah. So my office manager with a stopwatch. So I'm kidding. Uh, so no, but, but we've, we've had that, you know, kind of discussion of, okay, how can we make that balance of um, uh, not just myself, but you know, everywhere they try to make that balance of really taking care of the patient, listening and going through things well, mm -hmm. and still, you know, being efficient. So some of the efficiencies, you know, are outside the consult room, you know, mm -hmm. and can we, can we fix that, make that better? So people aren't waiting in the waiting room it gets me crazy. You do a great job with that. I'm waiting around. I think you definitely, um, you guys are very organized with that. And, and I think you do a great job. Yeah. Gets me bananas. And the other nice thing about the, the UCSF conference is there was the aesthetic surgery part of it. And again, people went ahead and put up some photos and, and most of them were spectacular. And some of them made left turns. And the guy who called himself out on this is, hey, for you junior residents and students, and this is what happened and blah, blah, blah. And I won't do this again. So it was, that was refreshing. And then the other cool thing that happened was uh, Saturday afternoon when there was no conference. And what I mean by that is a guy by the name of uh, Dr. Lauren Rosenfield who was my professor uh, up at UCSF and we've remained uh, friends and, and we're close and I bounce I cases to his chagrin all the time. If uh, I'll say, hey, am I thinking straight? I'm going to do X to Y to Z. And he's like, yeah, but do this instead. Oh, okay. And we're very similar in mindset. Again, I try to emulate him because he's such a, a good surgeon and good person. And he's out there and he's on a mission also for truth in, um, in plastic uh, surgery as well and, and, and all that. So we're there and he's chairing the aesthetic surgery portion of it. And so it ends at noon. He's like, okay, so what are you doing this afternoon? I said, well, I don't have any plans. Like, fantastic. Great. So let me go ahead and call my wife and we're going to go down and we're going to get some sandwiches. And we're like, oh, okay. <laughs> so that's exactly what happened was, is like, you know, it calls his lovely wife, Gina. And he says, he says, do you have a car here? No. Perfect. So we go ahead and we're done. And he, he says, get in. So I go ahead and I get in his car and it was one of those perfect California days. It was about 80 degrees. He had the top down. Of course he did. Nice. And, uh, and so he's got um, a house on the peninsula and uh, which is just South of San Francisco. Yeah, It's so beautiful. And it's just, it, it was just a, it was just a really perfect day. And so we picked up uh, some food and we went over to his house and we just kind of caught up. So you do really sometimes make lifelong friends or mentors. And we talked about everything. We talked about family. We talked about raising kids. We talked about blepharoplasty. We talked about facelifts. We mm -hmm. talked we talked about ethic. We talked about all of that stuff. And so that to me was really, really a cool thing as well. Yeah. And having that, I mean, not only 
professional camaraderie, but just those friendships. Right. I mean, you know, and also you're an alumni of, of UCSF, so you have all those connections and friends. And right. so it's, it's an awesome thing. It's, yeah. And I asked him about a, a few things. I'm like, okay, I have this I have this question. Who do I talk to? Oh, well, you need to talk to bah, 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 who mm-hmm. is the, you know, worldwide leader in X. And I'll send an introduction email. Oh, okay. Fabulous. Right. right? Yeah, so great. it's, yeah, it, it's so that sort of thing. And then that night was um, the residence dinner, which was just, it was cool. Again, I had one 22 years ago <laughs> and how that happened. But it's interesting to see uh, another really spectacular group of individuals uh, doing the plastic surgery thing. And, uh, and we know that they're well-trained. You know they're going to go ahead and, and do good things. And then uh, my chief was uh, Dr. Mathis, who, you know, we're broadcasting from my office. And if you if you look on the bookshelf behind me, half the books uh, there have his name on it. And uh, he passed away uh, f- with ALS. Uh, and uh, and Dr. Hoffman was given the the reins, and Dr. Hoffman is a spectacular plastic surgeon. I mean, he's the guy, and he's been doing this now for forty years. Wow. Uh, and um, it, it, we would get this consult from you know uh, pick a, uh, a a specialty, and we would go in there and see it, and he would be like, oh. Okay, well, you just move this and put that there and flap that, and you know you'll be fine. Mm. And and he would do it. We would pull it off, and you're just like, oh my god, you know. And, and he just yeah. a spectacular like a, like a wizard. Yeah, I mean, just the vision. <laughs> he's done it for so long, and yeah, and a hundred percent. Which is also kind of interesting because, well, for example, and this happens to everybody, right? And and again, the UCSF guys are spectacular, right? But we get the phone call about eight o'clock at night. We'll pick on the cardiothoracic guys, and the cardiothoracic guys will call and go, hey, you guys still here? Yeah, could you? <laughs> kind of come by room 12. Yeah. And so sure enough, again, they got sent this like ridiculous big tumor. So they kept going back in the tumor and they finally cleared the margins, but boy, did they leave a big hole. All right. Now, and now so, what? And so yeah. now they're like, uh, I don't think we're going to get this together. So call the plastic uh, folks. And so we go in there and go, oh, okay. And so like, I'm looking at the rib cage, I'm looking at the lung going back and forth. I'm like, hmm, that's not supposed to be there like that. And again, you know, and you're like, okay, I'm taking X, Y, and Z. And then Dr. Hoffman comes in and goes, oh yeah. So do, you know, X, Y, Z, put this there, put that there. Okay, great. So we do all that. And then, but the funny part of all that, and everything goes well, thank God. And so most of the time. And so the next day is kind of weird because they're in the ICU and then then they finally get the, the tube out and all that stuff. And you're talking to them like, Hi, I'm your surgeon. You haven't met me yet, but you know, uh, uh, but you know, basically, you had a big hole in your chest right, and yeah. things around, we and, we, fix and, we, and we fixed that. <laughs> oh, well, okay, I'm glad you were around. Right? right. Yeah, so, exactly. Um, yeah. So, so, but yeah, yeah. So he actually has been chief now for uh, 20 years, and so he at this thing says, "Yeah, well, I'm going to retire as chief," and we all went, "What?" So uh, now they're down. They're they've had you know lots and lots of people who would want that uh, job. And so he said, okay, well, it's down to about six. And so now they're trying to figure out who's going to be the next chief of uh, UCSF plastic surgery. And I'm, I'm thrilled that uh, Dr. Hoffman is still going to be around and still mm-hmm. do surgery, but just not have to do the, the day-to-day the chief grind, right? Oh, yeah. stuff, right? Which is like all HR. and But yeah. it's not just that. It's also research and and it's it's it's, it's a lot. Right. It's a lot, especially there because because they, they, that place demands. Yeah, because there's demands not, a lot. there's a lot of administrative besides oh, just the yeah. yeah. So yeah, God bless them. Yeah, we, I, yeah. That that's a tough, you know, being chairman or chief or something like that. That's that's a tough job, especially mm-hmm. nowadays because things are you know so money oriented. It's not just publishing papers or, or taking being clinically active and taking care of patients and right. teaching the residents. There's a whole lot of other stuff nowadays that goes along with it, and it's still. 
terrific and you're still working with uh, patients and students and residents, but it's a lot. And, uh, and so, yeah, so we'll see who uh, comes up into that, uh, that slot. So it'll be, it'll be interesting to see. Well, it's it's exciting, and it's great that you get a chance to meet your colleagues that you've known for several decades, yeah. some of them, and and uh, it's an amazing experience, I'm sure. Um, let's tell the folks how we can how they can find us and, and sure. social media and all that stuff. We have we have all that stuff. <laughs> yeah, so we're we're yeah, we're all over the place. We have all of it. We have all of it. All the, all the things, as the <laughs> as the young ones say nowadays. Uh, yeah. So the the keystone uh, for us is the uh, web page, which is www.jjrothmd.com. That's J-J-R-O-T-H-M-D.com. And then we are all over social media as well, from Instagram to YouTube to Facebook to all of it. Uh, And the podcast you're obviously uh, listening to. And and we actually answer the phone. Uh, And so if there's ever a question or a concern or any of that kind of stuff, uh, call. And uh, or reach out to us uh, via the DMs. Is that slide into the DMs? Is that what they're, they're saying? <laughs> That's what all the kids do. <laughs> kids slide into the DMs. Uh, anyhow, so yeah, and uh, we actually do actually look at those and we do respond to them and then we do incorporate them uh, in our podcast or other thing or blogs and all that. So if there's something, if you have a question, uh, Dr. Google is not your friend. Okay. Uh, but, but, you know, ask us and we're happy to do that. And I say that in the uh, rooms all the time. I'd rather you spend 20 minutes with me than 20 hours on uh, the internet, right? right. So, um, but by all means, if there's a question or anything that you want to hear about, let us know and uh, we'll we'll get that on for you. Awesome. And uh, please like and subscribe our, to our podcast and uh, leave comments. And we love comments. And uh, if you have questions, for sure, um, DM us, <laughs> as Dr. Ross said. There you go. And uh, we will try to answer those if we can. Thank you so much and have a great day. Have a great day. Thank you so much for joining us. For further information, please visit the podcast website link for Dr. Jeffrey Roth. See you next time. 